0: You know, I was in my prayers this morning, one of the things I was thanking God for was our worship team. I'm very grateful for our worship team. Okay, well in the highly unlikely event that you have not noticed, Pastor Chris is not here this morning. So um, for those of you who I have not met, or if this is your first time here at Firewill, uh, my my name's Kevin Davis, and I'm one of our elders here at Firewill Bible Fellowship. I'm also one of our teachers here on Sunday mornings as well, as we've been going through the book of Romans. Uh, Pastor Chris is taking a bit of a well-deserved break for a couple of Sundays and uh, getting to spend some quality time with Madeline and the boys. Um, As I've said this before, and I say this every time I get up here, anytime I have the opportunity uh, to get up here and share the word of the Lord with you, it's something that I'm very grateful for, and I'm glad I have the opportunity. Now we come together to worship and one of the ways in which we can also worship is through giving. And so just a reminder about that today, that we giving is a part of worship and we do open up that opportunity for you, whether it's online, um, you can text it in. We also have the booths in the hall or the devices on the wall where you can also drop your offering off. All right, so the following phrase, on my terms how many of you ever use that term I I want something done on my terms okay and um, so we talk about that and how many times have we said it how many times do we try to use it how many times do we try to get someone to do something for us but we make it clear that it has to be done on our terms uh, the actor Samuel Jackson, there was a story about him that ran in Vanity Fair a while back and it said that he had a clause written into his contracts in which he was allowed to play golf twice a week anytime he was shooting a movie on his terms. Um, I think many of you know who Robert Downey Jr. is. He gained increased fame years ago playing the part of Iron Man. Well, as the Marvel Cinematic Universe got bigger and more well-known, Robert Downey Jr. reworked his contract to where, in addition to his hefty salary, he would also receive a percentage of the overall profits of any Marvel movie that he was in, resulting in hundreds of millions of dollars for the actor on their terms. Now, while we may at times have the ability to negotiate and to have things done on our terms, When it comes to our relationship with the Lord God Almighty, that doesn't exactly work as we will see today. Now, as we continue to make our way through the book of Matthew the past several months, we now find ourselves in chapter 12. Now, the past few weeks, Pastor Chris pointed out That there was a cost to following Jesus and specifically we looked at the life of John the Baptist and his imprisonment and his imprisonment for speaking the truth (coughs) excuse me in addition we looked at Jesus's words of warning for those who made the decision to reject his message and as we closed out chapter 11 last week we also studied the words of encouragement offered by our Lord to those who were weary and burdened so we're going to start this morning in Matthew chapter 12 in verses 1 through 8 so everybody say a word all right all right, well, I'll be reading the first eight verses of Matthew chapter 8 now at that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath his disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat but when the Pharisees saw it they said to him look Your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and he ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath, the priest in the temple profaned the Sabbath, and are guiltless. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we worship you, God, for you are worthy to be worshiped yesterday, today, and forever. You are merciful, you are gracious, you are powerful. Hallowed be your name. And Father, I thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to gather here together in person today. I thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness of our sins. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for his broken body. We thank you, Lord, that he rose. We thank you that he's alive today. Father, I pray this morning that you help all of us to be free from any distractions we have going on around us in the world and our personal lives, and help us to focus, Father, on your word today, and that what is said here is pleasing to you, that your name would be glorified through it. For you and you alone are worthy, O Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. All right. So, a couple of observations we make right off the bat. Matthew tells us that it is the Sabbath. Now, that's a very important part of the story here today as we move forward. Now, we also want to look at who was there. And as often is the case, who was there with Jesus? His disciples are there, okay? So we've talked about that before as well. So um, his disciples are there with Jesus. Now, Matthew tells us they're going through the grain fields. And what are they doing? He says they're eating the heads of the grain. Now, um, I'm a city boy, okay? So I haven't spent a lot of time out in grain fields or anything, but when you're hungry, you're hungry, okay? And so Matthew tells us pretty clearly the reason they were doing this is because they were hungry. Now, when we get into uh, verse two, who do we meet yet again? The Pharisees, okay? And we've gone over the Pharisees in the past, Pastor Chris has as well. But just a a brief definition of the Pharisees, they basically were, for all practical purposes, a Jewish religious party that was consistently opposed to Jesus and his teachings. And we see this in verse 2 by what they say to Jesus. Look at what your disciples are doing, breaking the Sabbath. Basically, we got you, Jesus. You're in trouble now. Now, why exactly are the Pharisees saying this? What do they mean about breaking the Sabbath? Now, to get some clarification from this, we're going to turn back in our Bibles or scroll up on your tablets or your iPhones, and we're going to go back to one of the books written by Moses. We're going to look at Exodus 34, 21. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh day you shall what? you shall rest. In plowing time and in harvest, you shall rest. Now, another book that Moses wrote was the book of Deuteronomy. And we go to Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 14. Observe the Sabbath day, this is important, to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to who? to the Lord your God, on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your servants or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Now, when we read this, we see that God's people are to rest on the Sabbath, and that is what it says we also see that this is a command from God, it's not a request. But here's a question we need to ask ourselves in Matthew chapter 12. Are Jesus and the disciples actually working on the Sabbath? Now why were the disciples eating the grain on the Sabbath? They were hungry, okay? And Matthew tells us that, says they were hungry. Is it a sin to be hungry? I sure hope not, okay? <laughs> Some of y'all might be thinking right now, no, it's not a sin to be hungry, so hurry up. But um, so, no, it is not a sin to be hungry, but they were hungry, so they were eating the heads of the grain. Now, here's another question to ask ourselves What was the motivation of the Pharisees? Was their main concern really for the sanctity of the law? Did they show any concern for the disciples? Notice they could have perhaps offered the disciples something to eat or show some level of concern for them, but they did not. And this brings us to our first point this morning. These Pharisees, the supposed shepherds of Israel, they show no concern for members of their own flock. They're supposed to be the shepherds, they're supposed to be the leaders, and we see time and time again in the book of Matthew that the people who are in their flock, they show no concern for them at all. What was the actual motivation of the Pharisees? Before we answer that, let's see how Jesus responds to these accusations by the Pharisees. As Jesus often does, he responds by referring to what? To God's Word, okay, by referring to Scripture, the same scripture that these pharisees these supposed shepherds of israel should have been familiar with now the scripture that jesus actually refers to here mentions a man named david and this is for, from first samuel 21 now david of course was a king from several hundred years earlier now david was someone that the pharisees would have respected and honored in theory um, now jesus also gives them another example of how the priests themselves had to perform certain ceremonial duties on the Sabbath, but they were not considered guilty of actually breaking the Sabbath when performing these ceremonial duties. But then, Jesus goes on to make a very bold statement in verse 6. Now, I want us to look at what Jesus says here, because this is very, very important. So many times throughout Scripture, Jesus will identify who he is, and people miss it, including those listening to him. Jesus goes on, and he tells the Pharisees that something or someone greater than the temple is here. Now, to the Pharisees, what Jesus was saying would have been considered as blasphemy, plain and simple. Plain and simple. Jesus was making a clear, concise statement about his own identity. We read the following from the MacArthur Study Bible. It says that this was a straightforward claim of deity. The Lord Jesus was incarnate God dwelling in human flesh far superior to a building which God merely visited. See, Jesus then challenges the Pharisees. He goes on, and once again, he quotes from Scripture, scripture, and this time he quotes from the prophet Hosea in Hosea 6.6, when he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Some versions will say, I desire compassion and not sacrifice. See, Jesus is pretty bluntly telling the Pharisees that they, the supposed shepherds of Israel, did not understand the words of their own prophet— this was evident by the pharisees own words and actions see as the supposed shepherds they should have known the writings of the prophets but they also should have known how to apply them you see it's not enough to just know or memorize scripture although that is very important we need to know how to apply god's word to our own lives the pharisees did not now i think it's interesting to note that Jesus had previously quoted this same passage to the Pharisees back in Matthew 9, 13. The Pharisees heard Jesus speaking, but they were too blinded by their own prideful status to actually benefit from his words. So what is Jesus actually saying by this quote from Hosea? When it comes to serving the Lord, or in this case, keeping his law, it is a matter of the heart. God alone truly knows the heart. We read the following from Dr. David Jeremiah, who sums it up like this. He says, God himself declares that in his order of priorities, this is, listen to this, acts of compassion and mercy are more important than religious acts or sacrifices. A desire to extend mercy to the needy will guard believers from condemning the innocent and focusing on petty details. Now, Jesus isn't quite done here. He has another bold, radical statement in verse 8 when he says that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Here, Jesus is telling the Pharisees that he, Jesus, has dominion even over the sabbath again another claim of deity by jesus now one of the things we see in matthew is that the further along we go we see that the frustration of the pharisees is building up can you imagine how frustrating it was to try and debate with jesus he knew god's word so well because he was God's Word. Now, while these Pharisees were religiously obsessed with the rituals of the temple and keeping the rules of the Sabbath, Jesus was not intimidated because he was truly greater than the temple, and he was Lord of the Sabbath. The Pharisees had every opportunity to listen to Jesus and to change their hearts, yet they adamantly, consistently refused. And as a result, their frustration is going to boil over and turn into outright rage. All right, let's continue with our reading in Matthew chapter 12. It says that Jesus went on from there and he entered their synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, they, the Pharisees, asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him? He said to them, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take a hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Okay, so Matthew tells us here that Jesus now goes and he enters the synagogue. And who do we meet in the synagogue? Who's there? Y'all can answer. A man with a shriveled hand, a man with a withered hand, okay? Now keep in mind, again, this is taking place on the Sabbath. And also remember that Jesus had just spoken to the Pharisees about the importance of mercy. How much of an impact did those words of Jesus make on the Pharisees? Now, also make note that in Luke's account of the story, he also tells us that the scribes are also there in addition to the Pharisees. Let's look at what they asked Jesus in verse 10. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Not, is it merciful to heal on the Sabbath? Is it compassionate to heal on the Sabbath? Or is it even a good thing? No, they ask him, is it lawful? Again, these Pharisees and the scribes show no concern whatsoever for this man with the withered hand. But guess what? Jesus does. But before he does any healing, Jesus asks them a pretty simple question in verse 11 about a sheep falling into a pit. Now, it's no coincidence that Jesus is speaking about the relationship of sheep and shepherd to a group of men who were supposed to be the shepherds of the people of Israel. He then clarifies to the religious leaders that a man is of much more value than a sheep, including this man with a withered hand, the same man that the Pharisees show no concern for. I love how Jesus answers the question of the Pharisees with a very simple, but utterly profound statement. It is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. See, the Pharisees had no response. What could they say? And this brings us to our second point this morning. The religious leaders, that is the Pharisees, the scribes, they had misinterpreted the reason for the Sabbath. They had their rules. They had their regulations. They could certainly point out when somebody wasn't meeting their requirements, but they had missed the whole point. We read earlier that Moses told us that the Sabbath was to, for what purpose was to keep it ho- holy to honor the Lord your God. But the Pharisees had misinterpreted the reason for the Sabbath. See, the Lord had a specific reason for observing the Sabbath, for keeping it holy. It was not. To elevate the religious elite but it was to honor God and then to love others to show compassion or mercy when the opportunity arose we see the way the Pharisees and the Jesus the way the Pharisees and Jesus view this see Jesus wanted to do good but the Pharisees wanted to make sure that any good act was done according to their man-made terms that it was done on their terms now as we continue reading Jesus commands the man in verse 13 to stretch out his hand when he did his withered hand was healed Matthew tells us just like his other yet another miraculous healing by Jesus and the Pharisees had a front row seat at this miraculous healing they witnessed it they saw it with their own eyes How many times have you heard people say, seeing is believing? I've heard people say, well, seeing is believing. If I could just see it, I would believe it. Well, apparently not. Okay, the Pharisees saw Jesus' miracles before their very eyes. Did they praise God at this awesome spectacle that took place before their very eyes? Did they rejoice at the healing of one of the sheep in their own flock? Sadly, no. And then verse 14 tells us that after witnessing this amazing miracle, right before their very eyes, the Pharisees simply went out. They left and they began to do what? They began to conspire against Jesus on how they might destroy him. The NIV says how they might kill him. Dr. Constable puts it like this he says conspired against or plotted means the pharisees had reached a definite decision this verse takes the official rejection of messiah further than it has gone before in matthew it is the culminating point of the opposition of the jewish religious authorities when we read luke's account of the story he tells us in luke 6:11 but they, the Pharisees, the scribes, they were filled with fury, and they discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Here's something to think about. When a group of prideful men are filled with fury, chances are that very little good will come from it. These Pharisees heard many of the same words that the apostles did, they saw many of the same miracles that the apostles witnessed, yet they willfully, intentionally, and continually chose to reject the Messiah. But not just reject him, they then decided they were going to kill him. They were going to shut this Jesus up, oh, if they only understood who they were messing with. See, their minds were made up. Their frustration had now evolved into outright rage and then eventually into the death of the Lamb of God, or so they thought. Now, this brings us to our third point this morning. The truth of the identity of Jesus was consistently revealed, but most still rejected Him. Jesus revealed Himself time and time again but people chose to reject him. And let us remember, God is still rebuilding himself today. And unfortunately, most are still rejecting him. All right, let's read our final verses from Matthew this morning, verse 15. It says Jesus, aware of this, he withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all, and he ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken So Jesus withdraws. Now, why would he withdraw? Was Jesus a coward? Was he scared of the Pharisees? Of course not. Jesus knew what the intention of the Pharisees was, but he also still had work to do. So he withdraws. But he's not alone. The scripture tells us that many followed him. Now, why were they following Jesus? For his words, perhaps— But more likely, they had just witnessed what Jesus did by healing this man's hand, and they too, understandably, wanted to be healed as well of their own illnesses. Now, the text says in verse 15 that Jesus healed them all, but he also warned others not to tell about him, not to tell others about him. Now, from time to time, we may wonder why in Scripture there are times in Scripture where Jesus tells people who were recipients of his healing to tell no one. Why is that? Well, let's keep in mind that Jesus wasn't surprised by opposition. He wasn't surprised by the Pharisees, nor was he surprised that in a short time after this, all of his apostles, his disciples, were going to abandon him. Jesus knew he was going to encounter significant opposition. He also knew that his time for the cross, that is, his death, was necessary, but it still was going to take place sometime in the future. As we said earlier, Jesus still had work to do in his ministry before going to the cross. Was Jesus a great teacher? Was he a miraculous healer? Absolutely he was, but he was so much more than that. Now, Jesus goes on. He quotes um, from the prophet Isaiah, which we just read. Now, the following is from the Reformation Study Bible, and it says that the, the passage that Jesus quoted from, Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4, is cited as an explanation of why Jesus commanded people not to tell who he was. He came to proclaim and establish justice, but not by a showy display of power and not by leading a political or military movement. That wasn't Jesus's job. Since the role of the Messiah was so misunderstood among the people, Jesus had to dampen the misguided enthusiasm that was bound to spring up I do believe that in our own walk that there are times where we need to avoid confrontation with others when possible not at the risk of watering down the gospel or concealing the truth of course but you and i also have considerable work to do here now and in the future let us not seek intentional conflict at the cost of losing a chance to share the gospel with a dying world that desperately needs that which only Jesus can offer. Now in this passage from Isaiah, Jesus mentions declaring justice to the Gentiles and that the Gentiles would trust in his name. Yet another point that the religious elite, Jesus' enemies would have had a very hard time with. They viewed the Messiah as someone who would come for the people of Israel, but surely not for the Gentiles. What kind of Messiah would that make Jesus? One who cares for all. One who was going to die for both Jew and Gentile. You see, we don't get to determine who God loves, and we don't tell God which people are worthy of his sacrifice on the cross. God doesn't need our help with that. Now, let's turn quickly to Acts chapter 10, and I'll have the verse on your screen up here for you. Now, this event was several weeks in the future, and it took place after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, but is nonetheless relevant to our message today. Now, here it's one of the apostles, Peter, and Peter had a vision of a sheet with all kinds of animals on it that was coming down and, and with animals that were considered unclean to the Jews. Now, after this vision, Peter is then meeting with a Gentile centurion named Cornelius, and we read the following from Acts 10 28. And he said to them, He being Peter, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him, and yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. Who did Jesus die for? Let's remember that the whole point of all that Jesus did is because he loved and died for me, but he also loved and died for them. Hopefully that will impact us In the way we view everyone else and how to apply the words of Jesus today all right well let's go have a few spiritual recommendations today Um, my first one become a conduit of compassion I can perform good works I can have a checklist of good deeds that I accomplish But if I do so without compassion, it is not pleasing to my Lord and Savior. So many of those people have rarely ever had anyone display true godly compassion to them. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, you and I can change that, become a conduit of compassion. Number two, look for the Lord, He is here. This is a tough one um look guys I know it's so easy for us to look around right now and maybe we're tempted to ask what God is doing and and despite what our culture may tell us Jesus is alive and well today now we serve a living God but listen to this more than that we serve an active God Okay, God is not some spectator idly sitting by on the sidelines with his arms crossed observing his creation. Rest assured, through the movement of his Holy Spirit, God is actively moving in this fallen world. Look for him, he is doing good he is active he in his creation and in his children who are displaying compassion and unity in the fruits of the Spirit seek and you will find look for the Lord he is here in application number three remember who Jesus died for Jesus truly loved his apostles he loved the man with the withered hand but I think we have a tendency to forget that Jesus loved the Pharisees as well. Neither the apostles, the man with the withered hand, nor the Pharisees were worthy of the cross, and neither am I. Jesus Christ died for me, but he also died for that other person. Let us remember that as we go out today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we worship you, Lord, and we worship you because you are worthy. You are merciful. You are compassionate. You are patient. You are so good to us, Lord. Father, you have no equal and you have no rival. You are living and you are active, Lord, through the presence of your Holy Spirit today. And we worship you and we praise you and we thank you and we love you. And God, I pray if there's anyone here today and they do not have a relationship with you, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them. Please move in their hearts, Father. Reveal to them who you are. I pray, Father, if that there, if there are people here today, Lord, I know there are, and, then and we have struggles in our lives, God, and we have problems and anxieties and illnesses. God, give us discernment. Give us wisdom. Give us peace, I pray, Father, if it be your will, that there would be healing that takes place as well. I do thank you, Father, for your word. I thank you that we have access to your word. I thank you for the freedom we have to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ. We exalt your name, and we lift you up. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen. Hey, guys, it's been a blessing to be with you here this morning and if any of you have any questions or you need someone to pray with you I will be available with you to meet with you after the service but now it is time to go into the world in peace have courage hold on to what is good honor all men strengthen the faint-hearted support the weak help the suffering and share the gospel love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you until we meet again, same time, same place, next week. And don't forget, you are loved. Now go and tell someone else they are too. God bless.